0: All right, let's dive into unshakable part three. And I love that this landed on Father's Day because we're talking about Samson, who was a man's man, a tough dude. He was, he was I think, the strongest man in all of the Bible. And so we're going to talk about Samson today. This series, the unshakable series, it's what does it look like to be unshakable, to live an uncompromised life, even when life sometimes seems out of control. And so for a few weeks longer, we're going to look at Old Testament characters and what we can learn from their lives. And so the first week, um, my dad talked about steadfast endurance. Uh, last, er, and then uh, last week, we talked about David. And so if you missed either of those messages, I encourage you to, to catch up online. All the messages are available on the website. But this week, Samson. Samson is another amazing story with out-of-this-world storybook Happenings and feats of strength. He was like the Old Testament version of the Avengers. In in case you're young and and you like the Marvel movies, but even with the superhero characteristics of Samson and of the story, it's highly, highly relatable to you and me. You see, you might not think you have anything in common with a guy that can pick up a 700-pound gate and carry it to the top of a mountain. I know I couldn't do that, but Samson did all kinds of things that are just like things that me and you do. In Judges 13, 1, it's where the story begins. And if you have time this week, I would love for you to kind of make it your homework assignment from church to go home and read Judges 13 through 16. It's a great story. You'll love it. There's lots of twists and turns. And so check it out this week. But here's what it says in Judges 13, verse 1. Again, underline that. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. Now, all throughout the book of Judges, chapter after chapter, or or judge after judge, it starts like this, basically. Again, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. Maybe you can relate to that in a little bit, because you've started things in your life Maybe you started things with good intentions, like I'm never going to do that again, or I'm never going to do this again. And then all of a sudden you find yourself right back at square one, having fallen into the same pit, the same trap that the, that the devil left for you last time. I've been there. And so I relate when I read this and I'm like, again, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. Thanks, Bubba. After this, though, it tells an amazing story about Samson's miraculous start. You see, Samson's Samson's father was named Manoah, and Manoah and his wife could not conceive, right? I'm sure there's people in this room that have been through that that kind of story. And so one day an angel shows up and tells Manoah's wife, hey, you're going to have a baby. Not only that, you need to... make sure that that baby is dedicated to the Lord from the time of its birth. The baby is going to be a Nazarite. What does that mean? A Nazarite has a few things that they commit to. They're not going to touch the fruit of the vine, grapes. And so that means no getting drunk, no drinking wine. They're not going to ever touch anything dead. And then the last one is don't ever, ever, ever cut your hair. And so those were three things that were specific to the Nazarites. The angel also told uh, Samson's mom that that Samson was going to deliver God's people. And so tons of great stuff happened before Samson was even born. And at the end of the chapter, verses 24 and 25, it says that he grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Now, if you remember, if you remember last week when we talked about David, there was a similar verse. When David was anointed by Samuel, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that point forward, right? And so here we see again the person that God had picked to deliver the Israelites, the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. Just like David. Now there aren't a lot of details between between this verse and when Samson had grown up and when he started to go off the rails. But I think it's safe to assume a few things based on what we see happen. And it's crazy how much of this story does relate to our stories. So what do we see? God has a plan for his life. God's spirit was upon him. Did you know that God's spirit is available for you today? In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon the, the 120 in the upper room, signifying that God's Holy Spirit, the comforter, is available to anyone who puts their trust in Christ. Those closest to Samson knew this and respected it, that God had chosen Samson for a specific purpose. Samson knew it. He knew that he had been dedicated to the Lord, but I'm not sure that he respected it. It seems like Samson's faith was just the faith of his parents, and he, it had not yet become his faith, right? He outright defied instruction. It's almost like he ignored the miraculous start that he had come from. He went where he wasn't supposed to go. Have you ever done that? You knew you shouldn't go there, whether it was a physical place or someplace online. He went where he wasn't supposed to go. He fell in love with the wrong girl. He demanded what he knew he shouldn't have. He was entitled. He touched the carcass of the deadline. You and I probably can't relate to that one because uh, because that's not a thing for us, but He touched something he wasn't supposed to touch. His wife betrayed him. Have you ever been betrayed by a friend or somebody close to you? He gets mad and he goes back home. Have you ever launched out in life and then gone back home with your tail between your legs, right? He comes back to his wife's home. He finds out, you know, that she's been given to another man. He gets mad He goes and catches, and I think this is one of the overlooked miracles of Samson's life, which I just, I can't even imagine. He goes and catches 300 foxes. Now, I hardly ever see a fox, and let alone ever get close to a fox. And yet Samson goes and somehow catches 300 foxes. That just, to me, just blows my mind, right? catches 300 of them, burns down the Philistines' fields, basically beginning a war. He kills 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone, right? He cries out to God when he's tired and water comes from a hole in the ground. God sustains him. Samson goes on to lead the Israelites for 20 years. Later on in his life, he goes to Gaza, Another town, he, he sleeps with a prostitute, once again, doing things he shouldn't be doing. He knows that they're out to get him there because he's in a Philistine town. And, and so he leaves in the middle of the night and carries these 700 pound gates up a hill, just almost out of spite, right? Finally, he falls in love with a girl, once again, that he shouldn't be with, named Delilah. She betrays him. He's imprisoned. He's imprisoned. His eyes are gouged out. He loses everything. What a ride. And once again, I encourage you, go read the whole story for yourself this week. But what a story of ups and downs and and failure and betrayal. So what can we learn from his story? That's what we're gonna talk about today. And the first thing that I see that we all can learn is that We need to know God's instructions and his power. It's one thing to know God's instructions. It's another thing to understand his power. In Judges 13, 5, the angel said to Samson's mother, you'll become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And so get this progression. In verse five, the angel says it to the mom. In verse seven, the mom says it to the dad. In verse eight, the dad begs God for guidance. And then in verses 13 and 14, the angel comes and says it directly to the dad. This just blows my mind how much it almost mirrors what happened with Mary and Joseph in the New Testament. The angel says it to the mom. The dad then gets visited by the angel. It's like, oh my goodness, God is making this abundantly clear to this couple that their son is going to be special. And so what's the conclusion that we see from this? God's instructions that Samson was supposed to be set apart were clear. Clarity was not lacking. Listen. Listen. God is rarely lacking in clarity in his instructions to you and to me. Sometimes though, we just don't get all the details when we want them, right? And so what do we do? Be faithful with what you know. Be faithful with what you know. Be faithful in the small things. God is not gonna be unclear in his instructions about what you need to do. But at some point, you and I, we'll have to accept the direction of a higher power in our life. And how we respond will determine the course of our life. Now, the first higher power that you'll just have to submit your life to if you want to um, take advantage of the relationship that God is offering you, and if you want to secure your eternity in heaven, is you have to submit yourself to the higher power that is the God of all the universe and Jesus Christ is one and only son because God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you and the only way for you to receive eternal life salvation hope is through a relationship with Jesus Christ he said he's the only way and so that's the first higher power that we submit to but then throughout life you submit yourself to parents you submit yourself at work to a boss you, you know, by, by nature of where you happen to be born, your life in some ways is submitted to governing authorities. You know, when you're in school, the principal was the, the higher power, right? And so all throughout life, there's these authorities in our life that we're submitting to. Here's the clarifying question. If God's clear with his instructions, and a lot of times we know exactly what authorities in our life want us to do, what would you do if God asked you to obey something that you didn't yet understand? What would you do? What have you done in the past? God tells you to do something, but you don't get it. You don't understand. What do you do? What do you do? We know what Samson did. He knew exactly what he wasn't supposed to do. It's crystal clear. And he did the opposite. Listen, following biblical guidelines and directives is way more about your heart than your understanding. This is a tough pill to swallow, but listen. Understanding is good. And I believe that God wants to give us understanding and he promises understanding through, through his Holy Spirit. But obedience outweighs understanding all day long. You might at first balk at that and be like, Joe, what do you mean? Doesn't God want us to understand? Absolutely, he wants you to understand. But sometimes you just need to obey. Why? Because sometimes you learn on the job. Sometimes you can't understand something until you've lived through it. Not everything can be learned from a blog post or a tweet or an online review or article. Sometimes God just wants you to obey because he said so. Dads, have you ever said that to your kid? It's Father's Day. Why? Because I said so question you need to ask yourself is God's word more important than your opinion listen you don't have to go through the junk to understand that the junk will hurt you this is the story this is something we can learn from Samson he took himself through the gutter all to understand that it cost him everything There were just a few commitments for Samson's life that were for him. Three vows, don't get drunk, don't touch anything dead, don't ever cut your hair. And I bet as Samson grew up, and you know, he was a teenager, he was like, these are stupid. None of my friends have to not touch grapes. None of my friends have to not touch dead things. All my friends get to cut their hair. Mom, why can't I have a haircut just like all the other guys? Why do I have to walk around with this mullet? No, Samson did not have a mullet ever because then he would have had to have the party up front or the, what is it? Business up front, party in the back. Nope, he didn't have that. But I'm sure he complained that he couldn't look like everybody else. Have you ever had a rule in your life that you thought was dumb? Maybe you had to wear a uniform to work or to school. Maybe you had to be home by 10 p.m. Maybe you couldn't wear a certain outfit. Maybe your parents always made you wear leisure suits. Who knows why? You know, when I was a kid, maybe you had to, or you couldn't wear the jams when everybody else was wearing the jams. Maybe you, you didn't have the cool culottes. Girls, you remember those? <laughs> this, is, this was my growing up years in the 80s, right? Maybe you wanted Nikes, but you got Jordash or British Knights, and you're like, these are not cool, right? Maybe at work, you got to fill out the reports and you're like, why am I filling this stupid thing out? This is so dumb. Those are funny examples, but listen, we unfortunately live in a world that wants to normalize things that God clearly calls wrong. And really, it doesn't matter if you understand it or not. If God says it, his words need to rule your life. We we make light of God's instructions. We take lightly God's word. But we need to understand and know his instructions and his power. Do you know God's instructions and how they apply to your life? And do you respect his power enough to obey We have some outward signs of our commitment to God, and one of them we we observed this morning, communion. This is an outward sign that we're obeying Jesus. We do it because he said, do this. Right? Another one that we do is baptism. It's your first act of obedience after coming to know Christ. And so just like God told Samson not to do these things, Jesus said, be baptized. Go into all the world Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when you give your heart and life to Christ, the first command for you to follow is to get dunked. I love that. Why? Because it's it's an act of obedience. Doesn't matter if I understand it or not, doesn't matter if I want to get my hair wet or not, doesn't matter if I'm gonna look a little bit different in front of people or not, I'm doing it because he said it. Amen? It's an outward sign. This wedding ring that I have on. It's an outward sign of a commitment that I made to my wife. And this sign of commitment, right, it represents some yeses and it represents some noes." It represents some I wills, I will do this, and it represents some I will not do that, right? It's meant to set me apart, to protect the commitment that I made to Jesus. Are you committed to God and his instructions in your life? You see, I hope the world sees our commitment to God through our choices. I hope they can see a difference because people might've looked at Samson and seen his long hair and known he was a Nazarite, but his choices were so far from what God wanted him to do. The second thing that that we need to do if we're gonna learn from Samson is we need to know our limits. You see, in the life of Samson, There was a cycle of compromising. He had an inconsistent life and it was personified and fully illustrated by his his failures over and over. Samson was double-minded. He was up and down, back and forth, unpredictable and undependable. He was inconsistent throughout his entire life. Can you relate? In chapter 16, we find Samson in the manipulative clutches of a beautiful woman, right? And she had bad intentions, but guess what? He didn't care, and he didn't know his limits. Three times he lied to her, or twice he lied to her about what would rob him of his strength, and she had already tried to find it out, and she had already kind of let on that she was in cahoots with the Philippines, not the Philippines, the Philistines, right? And still he gives in and tells Delilah the truth. In Judges sixteen seventeen, it says, so he told her everything. No razor has ever been used in my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite, des- dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. Something to remember, by this point in Samson's life, he had broken every other rule in the book except this one. And so one thing that I see in this is that there's power in our commitment to God. God's grace for you is bigger than you can imagine, because up until this point, he was still under God's covering, even though he had done all kinds of crazy things. And I don't even understand that. I'm like, how could God still stick with him, still give him this supernatural strength when he was off the rails in so many areas of your life? And the only thing I can come up with is that God's grace is bigger than I can understand. And so even this, just this, is a testimony of God's grace. God's patience for you and for me is sometimes amazing and I don't get it. And so he knew that if he lost his hair, his strength would be gone. And he still gave it away. And you just, the the question begs to be asked, who would be so dumb? You read the story and you're like, I'd never do that. But the truth is to the, the answer to the question, who would be so dumb? Me, you. We do dumb stuff like that all the time when we compromise what God has asked us to do. We forget that our sin always takes us farther than we want to go and costs us more than we want to pay. The verse in Proverbs 26, 11 rings so true. It says, as a dog returns to its vomit... So a fool repeats his foolishness. And I would love to say that I've never been there, but I have, right? And you can probably relate. And so when we look at the life of Samson, he either didn't know or he didn't care about his limits. He lied to himself. He thought I can handle it and he couldn't. And so what all do we see throughout the life of Samson? As far as compromise, he compromised in marriage. He married an unbeliever, which was not just a Nazarite requirement. It was a requirement for all Israelites. Number two, Samson compromised by showing disrespect for his parents. This was not just a Nazarite requirement. It was one of the Ten Commandments. He compromised his vow or commitment to the Lord of being a Nazarite. He eventually broke every single one of those commitments Number four, Samson compromised control over himself by burning with anger and letting his temper just run wild. And so what do we see? He was obviously anointed by God, which should have meant that he was set apart, but his life looked no different than the world around him. His anger, his temper, his revenge, his lust, his entitlement, and his pride were uncontrollable, he did not know his limits. I wanna encourage you today, as you think about this, the strongest people in the world are not just physically strong, they know where they're weak, they know their limits. The strongest people in the world build boundaries in their life to keep themselves strong. This is the biggest lesson that we can learn from Samson. Know your limits. Don't go there. Don't get close to those people that, that are going to bring you down. Don't do those things that you know are going to wreck your life. 1 John two sixteen says it like this. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And so what do we know from the life of Samson? Lust makes strong people weak entitlement makes wise people foolish and pride makes smart people really dumb know your limits and where your help comes from you can't do it alone the third and last thing as we close today that we learn from the life of samson is that we really need to be strong at the right things. You see, Samson was freakishly strong. All kinds of acts of strength. Can you imagine taking on a thousand soldiers by yourself at one time with nothing but a jawbone? Must have been a sight to behold, right? But fast forward. Samson, after all his feats of strength, he gives in to Delilah He's captured by the Philistines. He's shaved bald. His eyes are gouged out. His sight is taken from him. He ends up grinding away at the mill, enslaved by the Philistines. Sentenced to hard labor the rest of his life. He's lost it all. But his hair begins to grow back. The Philistines one day throw a party. They bring him out to taunt him and to gloat and just to say, look, we took down Samson, right? Samson asks the guy that's leading him because remember he has no eyes. He asks that guy to place him near the pillars of the palace where the Philistines are feasting and partying. So everything is stripped away from him. He has a slave, he has no eyesight, and he does what every single one of us should learn to do. He prayed, he cried out to God, right? He asked the person guiding him to put him in the place where he could cause the most damage. And he prays this prayer in Judges 16, 28. It says, then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord, Man, just those two words. Is Samson relinquishing authority, relinquishing strength, acknowledging that God is sovereign, that he holds all in his hands? Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more, and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. You see, Samson realized that while he was strong, God was stronger. He knew at this moment where his strength came from. At this moment, he no longer took for granted the fact that God gave him strength. Listen, Samson was a warrior strong enough to kill a thousand men. He was strong enough to rip apart a lion with his bare hands. He was strong enough to pull up 700 pound doors, gates from the city, from their posts and carry them off but in the end he wasn't even strong enough to lead the woman that was trying to manipulate him he was led by lust and not God's spirit he was strong at all the wrong things there was so much regret so much was promised by God but there was so little commitment so much failure but in the end he turned to Jesus he turned to God he cried out he knew where his strength came from listen, you can't undo and I think Samson knew as he was standing there between those two pillars he couldn't undo all the dumb stuff he did but he could repent he could cry out to God and maybe you find yourself here, dad, maybe you're feeling bad because of the regret in your life. Maybe you feel like you haven't been the spiritual leader in your home that you, that you maybe could have been. Maybe you feel like there's all kinds of choices that you could have made. Mom, sister, brother, daughter, son. Maybe you have regrets. Maybe there's things woulda, shoulda, couldas in life. And you're like, man, is God even going to hear me? Maybe you feel like you've lost everything because of the choices that you made vision in life is clouded. It's like the enemy has taken it all away. Maybe you feel like just like Samson. You've run the opposite direction of Christ for so long and you just feel abandoned. There's one thing that you can learn from Samson's story. You can still cry out to God. You can still repent. You can still run to Jesus. Instructions and His power for our life. We've got to know our limits and where to set up boundaries in our life. And we've got to know where to be strong. We've got to be strong in the right areas. Men, leading your family. Women, being a godly woman of God. A, a godly woman that, that is a great testimony to God's goodness. Sons and daughters, honoring your parents. Respecting Right thing, even when culture and everybody else is running running the wrong way. We can do this, church. But well, we've got to be strong at the right things. We gotta to run to Jesus. We gotta pray and got read His Word. We gotta be committed. We gotta follow through. If you can bow your heads and close your eyes with me today, if you're like Joe, that's me. I've run the wrong way, I've done the wrong thing and I need Jesus. I need to cry out to him just like Samson did. I need to recognize that he's the sovereign Lord and I need to commit my life to him. I need to repent. I need to run the other way from the things that have been snaring me, the things that have been trapping me. I need to ask forgiveness. I need to get right with God. Wherever you're at, if that's you today, and you want to give your heart and your life to Christ, you want your heart to be washed, white as snow. You want to be free from sin. You want to put the guilt and the shame behind you and run the other way towards freedom in Christ. You can only come through a relationship with Him. And you say today, Joe, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, if you can just raise your hand to To you today, and you're sitting there and you're ready to give your word and life to Christ. I just encourage you to pray a prayer just like this in your own words. You can say, Jesus, I give my heart to you. I confess I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I believe that you died for me on the cross, that you rose again on the third day. I want to follow you, I want to trust you with my life. Help me, Jesus according to your word. I know that I probably won't always do the right thing. And so I thank you for your grace. But help me, Jesus, every single day to get better. Help me every single day to run after you, to set my eyes on you, to be devoted to you. Help me, Jesus, cry out to you sovereignly.